to Totalus Rankium. This week, Nikephoros 3! And welcome to Roman Emperors Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven, And this is episode 145. Oh. Oh, yes. It's Nikephoros Three. Nice. The third of the Nikephori. Oh. This is a new yeah. family, if I remember. Uh, well, yeah, don't, don't get attached. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the Ducas are gone, sort of, as you will see, but only sort of. Uh, let's not ruin things. Right, okay, it's right. Nikephoros 3. Uh, but before we do get into Nikephoros 3, as it were, um, let's talk about Michael Seven, because uh, we asked you, the listeners, to come up with some nicknames for Michael Seven, rather than Michael Seven minus a quarter, which just sounds a bit naff. So we've got some options, Jamie. Oh, we have. John Duncan's suggestion of Michael, and this is written in Roman numerals, Michael six and three fourths. How do you do three quarters in in Roman numerals? I I I forward slash I V. Oh uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. which uh, it's quite nice. I like yeah. That. Um, Andrea Klima has a uh, Michael quarterless, which is a uh, that works better than minus a quarter. Uh, Ryan Rex Michael pocket emptier, which that, uh, yeah, uh, it's more 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 on the money as it were. Michael the Quarter Destroyer by Yasser Sommerberg. Ooh, far too uh, which, impressive. It's, it's, it's too impressive. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the problem with that one. Yeah. Michael the Quarterback, which I, I, I quite like that one. It just, just I works. I like that. It's got a nice uh, ring to it. That's Jesse Dillon. Uh, and, oh, you see, unfortunately, I can't find it. Maybe it was on Twitter. I remember one off the top of my head, but I can't remember who it was. So I'm really sorry because I really liked it, uh, which was just Michael Nickelback. Oh. And this you this is how you remind back. me every week. Exactly, and mm. it's like it's like everyone's favourite band. It's too bad. And... <laughs> so anyway, uh, out of all those, Jamie, do you have a preference that we're going to do? You know, do? Oh, sorry, oh. Uh, Luke Miller, Michael Seven, the Fractional, which is quite nice. That's yeah, it's nice and mathematical. Yeah. I quite like quarterback. It's sort of I quite like quarterback. It I think works quarterback quite well. Works. It's it's obvious. Uh, it, yeah, so we'll go for that. Yeah. Uh, a few people, to be fair, suggested quarterback. Oh, so if you said well quarterback, done. well done. You won. Have 10 ranking points. Exchangeable on all good podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Is is it possible to change his image to wear actually a, a helmet of an American football player? <laughs> yes, <clears throat> it is possible. Or a jersey or something like that. That is definitely something that could happen. <laughs> Uh, good, good. Right. I'm hopeful with those modal verbs. Right, okay, let's let's jump in, shall we? Um, it's Night Kefros, but last time, Michael Seven, the quarterback, see, there you yeah, go, works, there it is, uh, found himself facing two rebellions, both by generals called Nikephoros. There was Nikephoros, if you remember, and Nikephoros, both, both rebelling. Yeah. Is it yeah. at all possible these have been mistaken? No, no. It's like sometimes I'd say yes, uh, but it just appears that in this period of time, everyone's called Nikephoros, because believe me, we're going to get more than two this episode. So these Nikephoros I, last week I called one of them Bryennios, because his name is Nikephoros Bryennios, yep. and I called the other one Nikephoros Three because he's the one who we're doing today. It's, it's very fortunate that his surname was the same as his... Uh... Or yeah, or, it was. Or, or, uh, it was also uh, Botaniates as well. Um, we're going to call him Nikephoros III. He was 
rebelling in the east, and Bryennios was rebelling in the west, if you remember. Mm. And as we saw, Nikephoros III took the capital with relative ease. So that's a, a quick recap for you. Let's get some more detail, shall we? Yeah. Let's go back in time. Yeah. Remember, we're in the uh, we're in the ten seventies here, late ten right. seventies. Yeah. We're approaching ten eighty. So, uh, when do you think we're going back to? We're going back to the birth of Nikephoros three. I'm going to say something ridiculous, which I I feel may maybe quite accurate. Go on then. Go on. All then. the way back to Augustus. <laughs> I'm glad you went that ridiculous. <laughs> no, uh, but uh, we are going back to the year one thousand and two. Ah, oh, it's a good year. We're we're going quite far back. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, the Botaniates family had a, had a bouncing boy, uh, <laughs> which was a shame. That was an accident. Um, <laughs> but fortunately, he bounced, so it was fine. His father was Tigger. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, little Nikephoros was born uh, into a wealthy and powerful family in the Anatolic theme. Uh, Anatolia, so like the middle of modern-day Turkey, the the wealthiest, most prestigious area of the empire at yeah. the time. The, the kind of place you wouldn't want to lose if you, say, were in charge of an empire. <laughs> that would be humiliating. Wanna, you want to keep the Anatolic theme, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Taliates, our main source for today, because we've got no Celis, by the way. Celis is gone. What? Why? Yeah, what happened to him? Yeah. Oh, we'll discuss it later. Uh, but we're, we're relying hev- heavily on Italiates, who was there with Nikephoros at the time. So he claims that Botaniates, or the family, uh, were descendants from none other than Emperor Focus. Fuck yes, ass. yes. You, I mean, it's, you've got to go all the way back to episode ninety-five to get to Emperor Focus, season two. But right at the start of season two. Wow. Italiates also tells us that Emperor Focus, in turn, was a descendant of the Fabii family mm. from way back in the Republican era. So we have covered a couple of the Fabii in our Republic series, and we gave a whole episode to Fabius Maximus. Remember? Yeah. Him of the uh, flaming cows fame. Yes. Yes, in so the, that was the in the valley, wasn't it? They set cows on fire. Yes, exactly. So if we can believe Italiates, the Nikephoros three is a descendant of Fabius Maximus. That is I mean, highly it, unlikely. It, it's right? not true. Yeah. It's all made up <laughs> nonsense. Of course it is. Uh, but the relation to Emperor Focus was at least believed enough that at the time people referred to Nikephoros as Focus. Celus, uh, in fact, in his history, refers to Nikephoros's focus. So it, it wasn't after the fact this was made up. It seemed to be believed at the time. Almost certainly, uh, however, made up to add legitimacy to just this general who... I mean, who is he? Uh, so uh-huh. He's got to be related to someone, surely. Yeah. Uh, what is true, however, is that the Bitaniates family had a long line of being involved in the military. Nikephoros's grandfather, like what seems like everyone recently, fought <laughs> for Basil II in the Bulgar Wars. Because who didn't? Oh, yeah. People are lining up in the street in our episodes at the moment, trying to tell us that they were involved in the Bulgar yeah. Wars yeah, under Basil II. Yeah. They, they were all there, everyone. All leading generals as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Nikephoros's father was also a general, and Ateliates actually goes into some detail here. Because apparently, Nikephoros' father, who was called Michael, incidentally, was a great warrior. Uh, and he pretty much single-handedly resisted an entire army's attack. Single-handedly? Yeah, do you, do, you want, do you want me to quote this? Oh, please. Okay, set the scene. We're on a misty field somewhere. It's, uh, the battle is raging. Uh, yeah, yeah. Psh, psh. yeah exactly. The foes kept coming against him, 
attempting to pierce his body from all sides with the tips of their spears. He cut through their spears and pikes with his sword. Some lost their head and armed to a single blow, others he cut in half. But the Bulgars surrounded him like the waters of a boundless sea. The blows of their spears and other weapons assailing him like the waves. Yet he, with the roar of a lion, rushed against them. When he saw after his victory the mass of dead, he realized he had performed a superhuman feat. He was struck by dizziness and suddenly collapsed from his horse to the ground. Drenched and bathed in the abundant blood of his enemies and no less covered in his own material gore, the enemy along with every Roman marveled at him. So that's Daddy Britanniates. He was there just fighting pretty much everyone. They surrounded him with spears and tried to kill him and he just went to town on them killed them all and then stood in the middle of a field covered in blood just just dizzy because he'd, he'd killed so many people yeah that sounds highly dubious well it's um what's interesting with uh italiates if anyone wants to go and read it it's one of the better sources it's italiates i do mm. like it. uh, it's a uh, quite flowery in its language and it's a bit silly at times uh, but it's very obvious where he suddenly drops in a passage that he obviously decided to include later about nikephoros 3 Right. Because he's doing the history and then suddenly there's just a break and then there's a little bit about how brilliant Nikephoros 3 is and then it's back to the history. Yeah, yeah he, he's he's a fan. This was one of those points where he stopped the narrative of the history and went, I'm going to spend a whole chapter talking to you about how great his grandfather and his father were. Nice. So, yeah. So, military family is what I'm trying to say. Great deeds. Yeah. Uh, all we know of his son, Nikephoros 3, however, is that he grew up. At some point, he met a woman named Vidine, uh, and at some point, uh, they seem to have at least one child together. So Nikephoros III is now 46 years old. Ooh, so he's not the young sprite. No, 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 not at all. At some point, due to his connections, he managed to become a general. Constantine IX is the emperor at this time. Remember, just to remind you, Constantine IX, the bit of a, a threesome going on oh, we're, we're, ba- yeah. we're way back in Theodora's time here yeah, yeah. the Pekenics were causing trouble and in Constantine Nine's episode I went back and I checked I did mention this as an aside uh, the Pekenics were causing some problems but he dealt with it and that is pretty much all I said but uh, just know that this was a serious problem it, uh, the Pekenics were raiding a lot uh, along the border, causing a lot of problems for citizens of the Empire, uh, they needed to take this seriously. And this is where Nikephoros III made a name for himself, because he was working for the governor of the Bulgarian theme, who was ordered to put the revolt down. So Nikephoros III's not in charge, he's like the right-hand man, number yeah. two. Uh, the governor was a man named Basil, and he decided that they were not safe where they were, so he ordered all of the Roman forces to move position one day, like you do as a general. Hmm. However, little did Basil know, the Bacchanics had been waiting for just this moment. They had been watching the Roman movements, and they had set up an ambush. And Basil walked straight into it. Ah. Uh, yeah. I mean, how, uh, how obvious was the ambush of, like, people standing in front in their armour? You know, at weddings, you get, like, those archways covered in balloons. <laughs> yeah. Like, garden weddings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was one of those, and the balloons just spout out ambush. Oh. But above that, there was a post-it note that said, this is not an. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's it was fine. <laughs> no one suspected a thing. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, Basil realised that they had been caught out of position once uh, the 
the screaming started, essentially. Giveaway. Yeah. Uh, so he starts to flee. However, his horse stumbled. He fell to the ground. How's he going to get out of this one? Uh, climb under your horse. Use your horse as a horse shield. Oh, he should have done, because uh, he didn't do that. He got out of it by dying. <laughs> lance lance through the face, probably. Oh. Uh, he was speared with a lance when he fell to the ground. So that that's the person in charge, dead. Oh, hello. I thought that was an internal organ. Here's how it is, extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the ba- Basil's gone. Um, oh, great. I will let Italiates take over the next part. It was then... Comma. Oh, then... <laughs> Exclamation mark. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. I like him already. <laughs> <laughs> During the night of precipitous flight, that Bataniates, like Kephros, observing the unfolding catastrophe from his vantage point, was filled with sorrow and cursed those who had recommended this bad plan. He instructed his men not to scatter like sheep, but to stay by his side and follow him slowly in formation. They took heart. From his manliness. <laughs> his rippling pecs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look at his six-pack. In, in brackets. I mean, the, the battle was first thing in the morning, and Nikephoros was cleanly shaved, but, oh, no, by the time the battle began, rugged stubble. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Struck a match on it. Yeah. Lit a cigar. Calmly said to me, lads, and everyone turned round. <gasps> oh, what a guy. What a guy. Well, the mechanics obviously saw this, because who wouldn't? You, they probably felt the ripples of manliness just oh. uh, flowing over the battlefield. Just the, the waves of masculinity spreading <laughs> in a radiant beam. Yeah. Oh. The unmistakable throb of testosterone. Throb? <laughs> <laughs> too, too far. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway, the, the mechanics uh, saw, because they they pretty much won. It was all over. They were in the mopping yeah. up phase of the battle, should we say. They're gathering the gold teeth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they saw a, a this small Roman unit suddenly forming up and retreating off the field. So they, they gathered some of their men and they encircled it, firing arrows into this completely encircled Roman force. But Nikephros' unit stayed in perfect formation. And slowly but surely, they shuffled off the battlefield in a kind of <laughs> sidling kind of way. Shields up. No one can break the formation. Yeah. Let's just get out of here. Um, they managed to get near a river, so they were protected on one side. And night started to fall, so no, no one could see, no one could attack. So they set up a watch, and uh, they made it through the night. Oh, I've got an image of a turtle now. Like, it's like a turtle shape, which then creeps into the water, all the men. In their little like dome shape, I did Spend wonder. Spend the night underwater. I did wonder as uh, Italiates was talking about um, the formation. I did wonder whether this was a full-on Roman turtle mm. formation. That's which I may I remind you, we have only ever seen mentioned once in the entirety of this podcast. You can remind me, but I still don't remember. It was <laughs> uh, off the top of my head. It was Vitellius. Theodosius. Theodosius. Or, uh, or um, it was around that time. Around that time, yeah. It was in say. North Africa, I remember that. Yeah, North Africa, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, they, they managed to survive the night. And uh, what did they see? Fish. <laughs> <What> did... <laughs> no, they're next to the river. A duck. They're not in the river. <laughs> oh. They're using the river as a barrier, a natural barrier. Uh, they, <laughs> they survive through the night. And what did they see when they woke up? Ducks. No. A swan. No. 
were the were they, were they now encircled by the enemy again? So it's just a river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's more <laughs> the same. It's like nothing's changed. Yeah. It's the morning. They're now just encircled again, and the arrows start again. So they have a bit of a chin wag, a couple of them, under all the shields. Yeah. <laughs> what what do we do here? And Nykephros announced that they were going to retreat to Adrianople. Um, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite well, far, well, sir. It's quite far, and we're a little bit surrounded. That's fine, said Nykephros. All we need to do is keep shuffling along. <laughs> just determination. Yeah, we, we just keep going. <laughs> we keep going. Yeah, they surrounded us, but if we move... They will move their surrounding yeah. us, and hopefully we can like pull them along with yeah. us. And Jeff, you stick your head out the front. You tell us where we're going. <laughs> now, uh, by the way, they're they're not on foot here. They've all got horses. This was a cavalry unit. So if you're imagining them on foot, so actually, yeah, the turtle thing doesn't work. They're on their cavalry. Maybe they're uh, doing it as a horse. That all the horses are facing uh, inwards. <laughs> Uh, maybe the horses were the only reason why I mentioned they're on horses is because now they're not on horses because obviously the horses are shot from under them quite quickly Mm. so they began on horses but they end up uh, as infantrymen as Italianates puts it so now we can maybe imagine some turtle movement with their shields Uh, someone who knows Roman military history far better than I do can perhaps let us know whether the Romans carried on with their turtle formation yeah I'll I'll talk to you after the podcast Robert oh cheers cheers if you can let me know that'll be good Anyway, three days later, the Pekenics started to get a bit annoyed by this. They're shuffling along by day, and by night they set a watch, and it's too dark to really do anything. Making a total of three metres a day. (laughs) Yes. They realised after one and a half day that they were going the wrong way, so they had to to (laughs) go back. (laughs) Was it it left at that fork? Oh, no. Jeff! Well, um, the Pekenics had enough. They decided to just engage. So a force just full-on attacks them. The Romans, however, managed to fight them off. They did so well, in fact, they even captured three of the horses. So they've now got three horses. Oh, is it time for that um, aerial routine where you all stand on a horse? 301 horse. Oh, like upside-down reverse pyramid thing? Yeah, that kind of thing. Oh, they should have thought of that, shouldn't they? The Roman forces, the embattled, surrounded Roman forces, then decided, uh, because they've got these horses spare... They were going to give one to their general, Nykephros, because they were so impressed with him, and said to him, we we are so impressed with you, why don't you take this horse and escape? Oh. There's no way we can win here, but you deserve to live. What does Nykephros do? Well, because he's such a manly man, he's going to stay behind. No, no, man, I'm a hero. Right, yeah, oh, yeah, obviously, that's the obvious answer, but I will be more impressed if you actually give me the detail. How, how would you really make it clear that you're not going to run away on the horse. He's going to kill the horse, isn't he? No. Oh. I'll quote the first bit. <laughs> he absolutely rejected this and refused to even listen to the notion that he might show himself to be craven in battle. So, brave words. Hmm. You're along the right lines, but you're Does not quite there. Does he just send there. the horse away? It's like, go away, horse, don't need you. I'll quote. With this, he then cut off the horse's feet and commanded the men to fight to the very end. Why? I don't know, Jamie. Why would you do that? I really hope this is the reaction of all the men around him. (laughs) What are you doing to the poor horse? All a horse can do is stand up. That's all they do. (laughs) And he can't even do that anymore. I mean, it would have been uh, gruesome, uh, brutal, but kind of for the time if he just, like, put a knife through the ears of the horse to prove that he would never need a horse. But, I mean, you're kind of talking bone sores kind of time. Yeah. 
to Why chop the... Why are taking hours? <laughs> <laughs> just the horrified looks of his troops as he's just hacking away at his horse, like, I'm not going! Agonised spraying of the heart. And all his men just go, we believe you, we believe you. Horse, horse managed to get up with his three remaining feet, crawl, crawl away, he grabs it by the leg, pulls it back. Yeah. And no, man, this is why. All the troops finally relieved that the, the horror is over, and then he just says, pass the next hoof. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so apparently, apparently that's what you do to prove your bravery. You mutilate a horse. It, it, not even hamstring. We've come across that before. Yeah, I remember Hideous. that. That's what, yeah. yeah, Constantine did that, plus a couple of other emperors. Um, but but literally cutting off... Maybe it's a translation. Let's hope it's a translation thing. It's been lost. Maybe he just... Horse maybe, pedicure. Maybe, maybe it was a horse pedicure. Reshoot them. Reshoot it. <laughs> maybe he just cut off the horse. The horse was neighing, and he just said, No horse. Yes. I will not retreat. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that, it was that. You can only hope. Apparently, the men were very impressed, however. What? <laughs> and they started to believe that they might just survive this because they've got a crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> and I will quote, From this point on, and for nine days and as many nights, the enemy cavalry did not cease to ride in circles around them, barking at them like dogs and shooting at them with bows. So it just carries on for another nine days. After wow. 11 days and nights in total, the Bikenics just give up. Screw this for a game of marbles, we're off home. We saw what you did to that horse. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously him distracting the Bikenics, uh meant that many of the routed Roman forces from the original battle actually had time to regroup and run down. So actually, mm. uh, from the jaws of defeat, uh, they managed to snatch a slightly less bad defeat yeah yeah so just, there you go but imagine when they're leaving it's like they all start walking away and Jeff walks away and just like Jeff has to turn to Jeff and say you can't leave that horse there you insane <laughs> how cruel are you drag it they drag the horse back to Constantinople well they're all walking towards Adrianople uh, just it's in stunned shot silence <laughs> and then one of them just says sir <clears throat> about the horse no <laughs> <laughs> No one's to mention the horse again. <laughs> it was a very tough time. <laughs> what happened in that place we're in stays in that place that we were in. <laughs> I, I, I was in the moment. <laughs> uh, so that reminds me, it's a letter from the RSPCA. So anyway, there you go. It's a little story of Nykephros fighting for you uh, there. Um, and then we don't hear from him for quite a while. The next we hear of him is when Michael VI the Old comes to power. A uh, right. quick reminder, uh, Zoe has died. Yep. Zoe's faction put in the old man, Michael, yep. to try and continue uh, their hold on power. Uh, now, do you remember in his episode, he had this really awful meeting right at the start of his reign, where he got lots of the prominent generals together, and he insulted them so badly that they all yeah. decided to revolt? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I seem to remember saying something along the lines of, oh, we'll probably keep coming back to this meeting in future episodes. Mm. And that's because the meeting had in it uh, names you will now recognise. Isaac was there, who mm. became emperor. Constantine X was there, who became emperor. John Ducas, who, okay, he wasn't the emperor, but Probably brother to Constantine X. Isaac's friend, Kakaumanos, who you, you were very suspicious of, if I remember correctly. Still don't trust him. Now, I've tried my best to look into it, but it would appear either I've missed it or there is no record uh, that says either way 
but it would appear Nikephoros III was not at that meeting. However, he would have fit in perfectly there, which is why I suspect that maybe he was, it just wasn't recorded. He was a prominent general at this time. Maybe slept and, in late. Uh, maybe he did. If he wasn't in the meeting being insulted by Michael VI the Old, uh, then he was very much part of the aftermath. Because, again, if you remember, Cacaumenos, a general called Bryanios, but not the Bryanios that we're talking about right now, yeah. and also the future Emperor Isaac, all met in the Hagia Sophia, after the meeting, and they decided to revolt. We're going to take over, and this is where Isaac first starts his coup planning. Now, somehow, it's not made clear, unfortunately, but Nikephoros III is brought on board with this plan. So he's there early. He's one of the the prominent figures in this coup. Now, uh, again, more recapping, uh, Bryennios let the plot slip soon afterwards by telling someone that Isaac was going to revolt. Then he started the revolt before anyone was ready, He was captured and then blinded. All the other generals in the revolt went, oh dear, we really need to start now because Bryanios has been captured and blinded and he's probably going to start spilling the beans on who's involved. Well, now Kephros III would have been one of these people worried about the beans. So him and several other generals living in the east hurried off to see Isaac. And we saw this scene from his perspective where he was at home, he wasn't ready to revolt yet, and suddenly a bunch of generals turn up saying, no, no, it's on, we need to do this now. <laughs> yeah, Nikephoros yeah, III was one of those generals who turned up saying, we, we need to go, we need to start the rebellion, otherwise uh, we will be picked off one by one. Now, Nikephoros was a big enough player in this revolt uh, that he might have been given command of one of Isaac's wings in the Battle of Petroe. This is the one fought on the Field of Hades, which is a really cool place to have a battle. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the, the sources weren't clear, though. I saw in different places who was in charge of the wings. I definitely read in one place that he was in charge of one of the wings, but he wasn't mentioned in another. But prominent general in this revolt, that's what we can say. The battle was hard won by Isaac. However, uh, once Michael the Old's forces were mostly driven back, uh, Nikephoros III was in the... Uh, what was it you called it earlier? The extracting the gold teeth phase of the battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's that mopping up part of the battle once more. Uh, And Nikephoros was riding around the field, basically sticking the spears in the men who were riving on the floor, that kind of thing. Uh, Like like happened at the end of battles to make sure the enemy were definitely dead. All this is going on, and then suddenly a man shouted out his name. Nikephoros stopped and turned, and there stood in the middle of the field was a Frankish mercenary. That's right, we've got another Frankish mercenary. Excellent. Yeah. I'm not sure what accent you're going to give him, though, because he's Frankish, not Norman, so I think he's got the actual French accent in this one. Bonjour, monsieur. Yeah, that's what he says. And what is my name? Uh, His name? Oui. His name is Randolph the Frank. I am Randolph. (laughs) Le Franc. Le... (laughs) Ah, oui. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is a mercenary commander who had been hired by uh, Michael VI, uh, to, to fight the battle. He had been in charge of one of the wings. He was one of the, the main leaders they were fighting against. And he'd lost heavily. He was angry, and he was looking for a big name to kill. He knew he'd lost. He just wanted to take one of the opposing generals out. Yeah, fair enough. And he'd recognised Nikephoros III, uh, so he shouted out his name. Now, Nikephoros III knew who the mercenary was shouting out his name, uh, because the mercenary was essentially shouting... I am Randolph the Frank, and I want to kill a general. He was Je making quite Randolph clear. Je m'appelle Randolph the Frank, 
I yeah, want to exactly. slit the throat of a cowardly general. Yeah. Now, Kefros heard these words and was slightly confused, uh, but got the gist. <laughs> that doesn't sound uh, French. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, he's being challenged to a duel in the middle of essentially this... Uh, I mean, the battle's not completely over, but no one is wondering who's won anymore. Um, so I challenge you to a duel. Duel in the middle of a battlefield. Nykephros jumps off his horse, and the two fight each other one on one. Oh, is it not oh, like no. a proper like Georgian style? Oh, unfortunately not. I mean, it's more like... more medieval kind of broadswords. Would you care to pick the feather duster, the uh... <laughs> uh, the rapier? Uh, may, okay, well, let's say uh, Randolph has a rapier um, okay. and Nykephros just has, has a, cannon. a massive, <laughs> massive broadsword. Ahmed. Ne- <laughs> <laughs> neither of these swords, I, I can't help but feel that neither of these swords are actually time appropriate. I'm sure uh, but that's, that's what we're going to give them. Uh, I'll quote Italiates. He engaged Randolph in combat as he approached. He dealt Randolph a blow with the sword on his shield and sliced it in two. Ah, you cleaved my shield in twain. In twain's definitely better. Translators should get back on that. (laughs) The Frank struck him on the helmet, but the sword glanced off and did no harm. The others rushed to Nykephros' aid and took the Frank alive. So unfortunately it wasn't a fight to the death. It was very brief. Nykephros just cleaved the shield in two but then got a sword to the face but his, his helmet saved yeah. him so, so there you go one on one battle fighting a Frankish mercenary nice that's good anyway Isaac wins this battle as we know he advanced on the capital uh, if you remember Michael sent Celus out to negotiate that meeting in the tent where they were all lined up perfectly <laughs> took place yeah. in concentric circles yeah. uh, again Nykephros isn't mentioned but there's no way he would not have been in that first row in that meeting right so he, he would have been right up there, probably right next to Celus, while Celus was uh, rolling bumbling his eyes through. With his, the best uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as a reward for his support, after Isaac becomes emperor, um, Nykephros III is placed in charge of the troops along the Danube. And for the next five mm. years, up until 1064, that's where he was posted. Uh, at some point during this time, he saved the life of none other than future emperor Romanos IV. Oh, that's good. Yeah, uh, that's Romanos Diogenes, obviously. Uh, and uh, irritatingly, that is the that's everything we know about this. Yeah, it's yeah. an offhand comment by Italiates, and I could not find any more details on it. Uh, so, yeah. So who knows? It, reading between the lines, it seemed to be some kind of military thing, not yeah. sort of. Oh, watch out! That that floor tile's slippy yeah. and uh, Romanos being very thankful no it seems like he came to some kind of military <laughs> aid to Romanos yeah. whilst fighting was taking place so some more good good fightius Maximus there mm. um, then as we saw Isaac got ill uh, and Celus organised the ascension of Constantine X uh, who was very happy to keep this proven general on the Danube no reason why not to keep Nykephros III there he's doing a good job in fact he's doing such a good job Nykephros was promoted to Dux so that Duke of Thessalonica... That's, that's a good title uh, to have. Yeah, he was ordered to settle the region once and for all. There's been a bit of fighting over there at the moment, so just, just get it all settled. Uh, and like Ephros does so, he spends his time putting down some uh, military problems, but not much, actually. Most of his time during this time is spent dealing in land disputes. Ah, oh, fun. Oh, it all becomes very legal. Um <laughs> 
amazingly, because some records of this survive, uh, we actually get a Let's just say too much detail on this, unless you really want to specialise in land disputes in the middle to late Byzantine era, uh, which I I don't. Um, I, I started looking into this and I just went, you know what, there's enough to talk about with Nikephos 3. I don't need to go down this rabbit hole. Just know that there were few land disputes involving monasteries, laws that were made during Basil II's time, um, and he, he made some rulings. So there you go. Yeah, if if you want to find out more, uh, just look at look up, look it up, look on the internet. Yeah, you'll find it easily enough if you're that determined. <laughs> <laughs> then, in 1064, the large unstoppable force of the Uzio came pouring in from the north. Now, I've only mentioned these once before, so I'll forgive you for forgetting what I'm I talking about. I recognise the name. It's the end of Constantine X's episode. There was this massive, massive force of barbarians uh, coming in from the north. Now, when I say barbarians, obviously vague term. These were the Uchids, the Uzio. There's so many different spellings. Uh, I just fell on one of them, which I liked, which was Uzio. They're actually Turkish of origin, but I'm not going to call them the Turks because they are separate to the Turks who are currently holding on to the caliphate. Anyway, they've gone around the Black Sea uh, and they've poured in from the north, and there was a lot of them. So many, this looked like end-of-days kind of invasion. This looked like Fall of the West style. Uh, We're going to really struggle. Uh, If you remember, Constantine left the capital with literally a a handful of men, uh, hoping that he could rally the forces, when he found out that, that, oh, it's fine, plague hit them, and they've been pretty much wiped out. Hmm. Now... The reason why I'm bringing this up is because Nikephoros 3 is actually in the thick of it, but unfortunately we get no details at all. What we do know is that Nikephoros 3 and one of the other uh, governors of a theme are put in charge to trying to put this force down to begin with before Constantine can really decide what to do, because yeah. it's their land that they're coming through. We also know that Nikephoros was captured at this time. He failed to put it back, and he was captured alive by the opposing forces. Oh dear. We also know that he escaped. Oh, do we know how? No! Oh, that's annoying. But also great, because we get to invent it. Right, he climbed inside a sheep. Nice. <laughs> the sheep's still alive, he climbed Yeah. Up. I mean, you nice. can literally see his legs sticking out the back of the sheep. Yeah, as, as it's as just a really wally sheep, so he just like... Yeah. Sort of got down in the wall. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking inside. Oh, just like totally inside. Internal. <laughs> Nasty. Um, yeah, uh, it's reasonable to assume that the reason why Constantine X uh, got word that it's okay, they're all dying of plague, and um, actually we're managing to take some of them out now, is because Nikephoros III and the other general who got captured escaped and sent their word. Yeah. So it was probably through them that Constantine X learned that it's going to be okay now. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's annoying. You can tell that this is one of the most interesting parts of Nikephoros' life, and we don't get any detail at all. We just know he was captured and he escaped. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Mm. But there you go. Bit of bit more flavour. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot more detail than we get for a lot of them, isn't yeah. it? Going inside a sheep, that's quite impressive. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Constantine X, then, or, or maybe Eudocia working behind the scenes, for reasons that will become clear in a moment, uh, then reassigned Nikephoros because he was made the Dukes 
of Antioch. Okay. Now, you're going to have to put a lot of pieces together for this to click <laughs> immediately, so right. understandable why you wouldn't have done. But currently, the Duke of Antioch is Nicephorizes, who we came across in the last episode. He's Wasn't, the he one who punished. pulled... Yeah, he was over there uh, in political exile, and Eudocia yeah. heard about this and wanted him to be thrown in prison. Yes. So, so he's now thrown stuff. in prison. Yes, yeah. so this is Nikephoros who's being thrown oh, in prison. They need okay. a replacement, so it's Nikephoros who goes over to replace him. Nice. People even more eagle-eared will realise that this timeline doesn't quite line up with what I said last time, because Constantine X was dead when I said this happened last time. Um, but yeah, the two things don't marry up quite, so I something's happened. I was just thinking that, Rob. Yeah. I was just uh, so, thinking that. So something's a bit got a bit wrong in the sources there uh, but it's all happening roughly at the same time that's ancient oh, history well. yeah. yeah yeah who cares uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> all, all we need to know is that Nikephoros is in Antioch and just yeah. like I said with Nikephoretzes uh, who's also in Ni- uh, Antioch at this time but in prison um, Antioch's not the best place to be running at this time uh, it's in the empire sort of the region isn't, but the city sort of is. Right. Uh, it, it's falling, and there's uh, it's going to go at some point. Now, Kefros spends pretty much his whole time in the city pushing back raids from the Emirate of Aleppo. Doing all right, as in it doesn't fall under him, but yeah. he finds it hard. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years later, he is relieved of his command. We don't know why, possibly because he was part of the military faction of Isaac and Currently, the Empire is being run by Celus, and by this point, John Ducas has become powerful behind the scenes. Right. Uh, and they wouldn't have been particularly fans of anyone who was fans of Isaac. Yeah. So maybe, but maybe it's just general shuffling around. Uh, anyway, Constantine X dies around this time. Eudocia is left in charge. As we know, despite her family ties, Eudocia decides that the military faction actually would do a better job to defend the Empire right now than her own son, Michael. And also John Ducas and Celis. So uh, we've covered how she managed to escape her oaths and wed the General Romanos IV in order to get a military man in charge. Yeah. However, according to Taliates, Nikephoros III was actually the first person she um, wanted to try and marry, but then decided against it and decided to go for Romanos instead. Ooh, it doesn't explain that. why, uh, but he was in the running, so he almost became emperor at this point. Uh, I think the only sensible thing to infer from this is that Romanos was much more of a hottie than Nikephoros. And you just know that eight away Nikephoros is like psyche so much. Definitely. He's so butch and manly, as proven from the previous battle. He is also starting to get on, of course. He is now in his late 60s. Yeah, like Silver Fox. Oh yeah, I'm sure he was a Silver Fox. So, Romanos becomes emperor... Uh, and he must have heard of these rumours that Nikephoros was almost chosen to be the new emperor and marry Eudocia, because one of the first things he does is exile Nikephoros to his homeland in Anatolia. So not full-on exile out of the empire, but no, you're not involved in the military anymore, just go home. Get out <laughs> of my sight. Yeah. Which is interesting, because remember, Nikephoros saved Romanos' life in the past, and they were both definitely part of the same military faction. Yeah. Uh, but they obviously personally did not get on. Oh. Or this is just jealousy. Yeah. Do you think jealousy about something completely non-related? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. tent tent size. Nikephoros got a larger tent. Romanos was jealous of how tall Nikephoros could make a house of cards. It could be that simple. Yeah. 
Could be. Uh, so now Kefros goes to live in a semi-retirement. So well, I'm oh. even saying semi-retirement, full retirement. He's, he's retired. Hmm. Like I say, he's in his late 60s. Uh, it's, he's still married to his wife, by the way. Yeah. They've still got oh. at least one child. So there you go. Go and live on the land. Right. Job done. Right. He's lived his life. It's been quite exciting, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Um, join <laughs> us next week. But there's more, Jamie. What? There's more. Um, I was going to say, hasn't been emperor, has he? Because he's he's just gone back home. He did not take part in Romanos's campaigns against the Turks. Remember, we had several campaigns, uh, all of them quite bad. <laughs> what this, of course, means is that Nikephros was not there during Manzikert. So he, he he did not suffer any humiliation due to that disastrous battle. That's going to hold him well in standing for later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably feeling angered by the whole thing. He also f- kept out of the short civil war that happened after Alp Arslan released Romanos. Yeah. And he started fighting with the Dukas family. Uh, Nikephros just stayed at home going, nope, nothing to do with me anymore. Yeah. So it was that despite once being in the military faction that lost the civil war, Nikephros didn't get a black mark next to his name as Michael Seven Dukas took power. Hmm. He's around 70 at this point. Nikephros was one of, if not the most experienced general in the empire. But he had also not risen against the Dukas family, so he found his popularity rising despite being in retirement. And then the events of the last episode start to play out. Michael, John Dukas, Nikephoritzes all become obsessed over the machinations of Roussel, if you remember. Yeah. They all want to get Roussel. Yeah. It's interesting that his popularity is rising so much, I guess because he's not tainted. Yeah, exactly. Everyone else is very tainted at the moment, and he's staying out of it. He's yeah. never really taken sides. He's He was obviously part of the military faction, but last time yeah. he really stuck his name in a cause was back in Isaac's revolt, and since then he's been fairly neutral. So he's a, he's a good general. Yeah. And the Empire needs some generals. <laughs> As I was saying, so you've got Michael John Dukas and Nike Heferitzis all really want to kill Roussel, the Norman mercenary. Uh, and as we saw, John Dukas decides to head out personally and lead the charge against the mercenary. But, being sensible and realising he did not really have the experience, he asked mm-hmm. none other than Nikephros to come along and be his advisor. Yes, you're a bit too old to be leading the troops now, but just come along with me. Just make sure I don't do something stupid. As we saw, however, John (laughs) Dukas, once it came to the battle, just did not listen to his advisor. When they approached Roussel, Nikephros immediately realised that they did not have the position to engage safely. John ignored being told this, crossed a narrow bridge and attempted to draw up his troops. And Roussel took advantage of this and then just smashed John Dukas' forces into smithereens and captured John Dukas. Meanwhile, Nikephros had been put in charge of the rear guard, and uh, <laughs> being a man of experience and wanting to carry on having experiences, he decided <laughs> that the rear guard is exactly where he was going to stay. Fair enough. He watched the full pitiful display play out in front of him and decided that an attempt to turn the tide was futile. Instead, he watched John Dukas fail and then took his troops back home to Anatolia. Do you think he watched it with a sense of, like, what the hell? <laughs> Probably, Just yes. jaw open or kind of a... <laughs> yeah, uh, who, who knows? I get the feeling he was probably exasperated by this point. So yes, I told I... you this would... I, t- I told you. Oh, seriously. 
<laughs> you also get the impression he's quite angry by this point. Yeah. Because remember, when I say he went home, where is home? I've forgotten. Oh, uh, Anatolia. Yeah. And who is ripping through Anatolia at this time? The bad people. The Turks. Well, they're not bad now. Not bad now. The bad people, people in the Romans' eyes. Yeah. Yes, they, yeah. In the Turk eyes, they were the good guys. Yeah. As, as it always goes. But yes, the other side, shall we say. So he was very angry that his homelands were being ripped to shreds, and the emperor was just obsessed with Roussel. What are you doing? We need to fight back the Turks. So he sent off a strongly worded letter. <laughs> Oi. Yes, uh, the kind of strongly worded letter that only a pensioner could write. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. In the opinions column of a local newspaper, that kind of thing. <laughs> yes. Oh. The Turks are in the process of taking the most valuable lands of the empire, and you're doing nothing to stop it, you idiot, was essentially the letter. <laughs> I'm extremely disappointed. Dear points of view. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Michael... Uh, was was angered by the tone of this old general who had abandoned his uncle in battle and let it be known that Nikephros was no longer favoured by the royal family. Meanwhile, Nikephros saw no choice. In order to defend the land that he wished to defend, i.e. the empire, he needed more <laughs> troops, and in order to do that, he needed the authority to raise them. But he no longer had that. The only way he can raise troops is to get the authority from an emperor, and the only way to do that is to be the emperor himself. How long do you think that thought process was? Like, I need authority from the emperor. Somebody <laughs> I respect. Well, I respect myself. Someone who's never let me down. <laughs> Someone who's uh, a bit of a silver fox. Yeah. yeah. Someone who still has pecs. Interestingly, uh, his wife dies at this point. Oh, no. Or at least roughly around this point. We don't know uh, any details, but um, it's interesting to speculate whether this had any bearing on his decision in this late stage in his life to actually rebel. Maybe he felt he had nothing Possibly. to lose anymore. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, he declares himself emperor. He then buys some Turkish mercenaries because there are a lot of them about. Yeah. Uh, he agreed. <laughs> made, he made an agreement with the Turks in the area that nothing happened while he was away. Uh, the, the Turks sort of sniggered slightly and went, yeah, "Whatever, <laughs> you go go for it." <laughs> um, uh, and then Nikephros advanced on the capital. Now, as we saw, it then became clear that the other general Nikephros, Bryennios, this one, was also revolting. Uh, however. The powerful in the capital soon saw the way the wind was blowing, and most started to support the advancement of Nikephros III. He was just more popular in the capital than Bryennios. Oh, yeah. uh, so, and he was also certainly more popular than the actual emperor. Uh, so lots of people in the capital start thinking, yeah, Nikephros III should actually be in charge. So when he approached the city, he had to deal with a, a small skirmish with Bryennios, but the path was pretty much clear. Uh, if you remember, Michael has released Roussel from prison here, mm. and his other general, Alexios, from the Komnenos family, have gone off to fight Bryanus's forces. Was this the Roussel that's incredibly English and posh? Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. one. Yeah. So it, was, it would appear, actually, at this time, Roussel decided that he would still fight Bryanus. He knew at this point that Michael was going to be deposed. But Roussel carried on fighting the rebellion, hoping that Nikephros III would say, yes, you can be on my side now. Oh dear. So Roussel and Alexios as well 
both start fighting uh, Bryennios, and Nikephoros gets to the capital. Enough in the city co- were convinced that Michael should step down and the throne be given to Nikephoros that Nikephoros practically walks into the capital to find an already arrested Michael being monked. Ah, splendid! Yeah, nice and easy. Just like that, Nikephoros becomes Nikephoros III for real. Hooray! He is now the emperor. Italiates goes on then for about three pages on how happy everyone was about this. I mean everyone. I, I quote one line of these three pages because you don't need any more. <laughs> for virtually the entire human race of human beings broke into dancing and celebration. Imagine yeah. pe- people on the on the moors in Scotland. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just felt so much more cheerful. Yeah. Like, pan over yeah. to... Uh, Native Americans. Uh, over to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Australia. Yeah, Nate, everyone Nate, yeah. was just... To be fair, Teliati says virtually the entire human race. He doesn't say That's everyone. That's true. doesn't say everyone. Right, so, um, everyone's happy is what he's trying to say. Nikephoros becomes the emperor. Um, the very first thing he does is get married. Oh, Like, how? roughly how soon is this after his wife's for... Um... We're not sure for certain. I mean, it could be anything up to about 10 years, but we oh, get the feeling enough. she died uh, quite soon before the revolt took place, so probably right. quite recently. Okay. Like, say within the last couple of years, maybe. Quite likely, but we don't know for certain. But well, yeah, about enough. that. Uh, but this wasn't a marriage uh, of love. It was certainly a marriage of political convenience. He's a general. Uh, who who should he marry to get a bit more legitimacy? Uh, Ducas? Yes. Sort of. <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, yes. Uh, he was going to marry Michael Seven's wife. Oh. Michael Seven, obviously, has just been monked, so he doesn't need a wife anymore. I'm, yeah. Oh, do you know what would be the worst thing? If, like, Kefros 3 got Michael Seven to actually host the wedding. Well, he's a monk. He could do the wedding. He could do the wedding. <laughs> Yeah, th- this is Maria or Mary. I've seen it written both ways, obviously. Well, Maria is a type of Mary, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I like Maria, so I'm going for Maria. Uh, Maria, um, Maria. if we can trust Italiates, uh, then Maria wasn't uh, upset by this. Actually, apparently she had abandoned her first husband before oh. Nikephros even got to the city. Fair enough. Um, Thinking, I I don't want to be nunned. How can I? How can I remain uh, in power? Fair enough. I'll marry the new, um, the new emperor. Uh, Obviously, Maria, much much younger than Nikephoros. This really was just a a marriage of political convenience. It added legitimacy for Nikephoros, and for Maria, it meant she could stay in the palace and live the life she'd become accustomed to. Would do you think there would have been an expectation for a, a child? Not really, not at this time. It, it's just he's too old. He's he he's approaching eighty at this point. Oh it's, yeah, that's yeah yeah definitely. That is a convenient marriage. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, we don't know what Michael, who like I say had just been monked, thought of this. I'm guessing some some choice words were said in his time of contemplation. <laughs> this is the hour of silence, Michael. Those words are not allowed. <laughs> Especially that word. Yes, and, and that one, and that one. Here, have a stress ball instead. <laughs> Silently squeeze. No, I will not do that with a stress ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, married, bit of legitimacy. That's good. Step two, what's he going to do? Um, 
some form of control taking so he needs to organize something <laughs> yes <laughs> what i mean is he needs to legitimize something he needs to make it legitimate i mean he's married her i get that but so you need to make a caesar to make it make an air sort of on the right lines but you you've almost on the wrong side of the seesaw uh, he can't get any airs if he had a child at some point, it wasn't a son, and he definitely, definitely, or the son died. He has no sons right now. Adoption is what I'm thinking. That is definitely something he needs to think about down yeah. the line. But what worries him most at the moment is that Michael Seven has sons. Oh. So there are, there are some, and remember, the sons were also technically emperors as well. So there are some little emperors around. How little are we talking here? Uh, not, not little children. But, oh, thank goodness, because they're going to die, so... No, they're not going to die. Oh, really? Oh, banished. No, no. No. Nose is cut off? Blinded. It's crushing, Jamie. What? Crushing. Oh! <laughs> oh, Ooh, yes. Okay. Yes. I've just crossed uh, my legs. Yeah, they were castrated. Uh, apparently, this did not go down well in the Senate, uh, because the Senate was made up of men. <laughs> <laughs> It was a room full of men with cross legs that day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, no, Nykatros. No one deserves no. that. Uh, right, and then uh, we entered the reign of Nykatros three, which is mainly about how many coups he had to face. Oh. <laughs> so we're going to need sound guy up here. Coup number one. Coup no uno. <laughs> to begin with, he needs to deal with the first coup. I mean, who's going to coup against him to begin with? Mm. It's, this one's an obvious one. This person's already cooing. There's another revolt going on. You're nodding. <laughs> so I know you know who I'm talking about. Obviously, Bryennios is still in the middle of his revolt. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got to deal with Bryennios. Yeah. Bryennios first. Yeah. Uh, now, Bryennios has already suffered a couple of losses to Alexios uh, and also, again, the mercenary Roussel. Um, but he was not defeated. But but you could argue he's not the biggest threat. Oh, no, no, he is the biggest threat. Oh, well, you could argue he's the biggest threat, but yeah. maybe a threat that I think we could bat this away sort of thing. It needs to be dealt with quite soon, yes. Because he's at the the, the city yeah. doors, yeah. But no, no, he's actually retreated back to Adrianople. Coward! Um, <laughs> but uh, it, this does need to be dealt with. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, however, I hate to tell you this, because I know how attached to Rousseau you got uh, last episode. Uh, he just disappears from our sources at this point. I did not disappear. <laughs> I merely faded away. <laughs> Maybe. To be born, uh, born again as Jack the Ripper in London. <laughs> Dates aren't quite right there, but yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, I, I won't tell you quite how long I spent trying to figure out what happened to him. Really? Longer than I should have done. Um, Are we going into Wicca hours here? Oh, yeah. Um, really? Wow. Yeah, definitely over an hour I spent trying to track down what happened to Rousseau. Uh, Wikipedia states that he was captured by the Turks, sold back to the Romans, and executed. What was the source on that? What was the citation? Uh, well, that's it. There was no source. Now, well, obviously, I'm, delete I'm, it. Yeah, I, I'm not taking Wikipedia's... Uh, non-sourced view so i thought right okay well that that's probably true because someone's written it um but i need to find out so i went looking for where it says this in the sources i could not find this anywhere um and also that would make it three times that he was captured and sold to the romans by the turks like twice seems 
bad, but three times I think this might be someone getting confused. Yeah. Italiates mentions that Roussel, at this point after Nikephros becomes emperor, carried on fighting Brianus's brother, because Brianus's brother's out on the field. And it is implied that uh, Roussel simply transferred his loyalty from Michael VII to Nikephros III, carries on fighting. Yeah. But then Italiates states, Roussel was praising God for his victory against the enemy, Brianios. But later, after returning, punishments were imposed upon them as justice caught up with them. That That's just not clear. Does that mean Brianus's brother was captured, taken back, and he was punished? Or does that mean that after capturing or defeating Brianus's brother, Roussel was punished? Yeah, that's quite vague, It really isn't, it? isn't clear. It's quite likely, however, he was punished executed at this point because he never appears in the story again and with a character like Roussel you get the feeling we'd know if he was still alive so he probably is killed at this point in the end I gave up if anyone listening knows exactly what happened to him let me know please anyway back to Bryanios he's still attempting his coup he realised his position was much weaker now but his brother had been defeated and he'd retreated to Adrianople meanwhile Nikephros was deciding how to deal with this revolting general Realising that Bryanios had risen in revolt, not against him, but against Michael, Nikephros III sends envoys with an offer. Lay down your arms, and you can be my Caesar. I have no heir at the moment. I'm old. Nice. There we go. Is that is literally that simple? Yeah. Give up, you can be my Caesar. Okay. I mean, why Bryanios doesn't jump at this, I have no idea. Oh, I would. Yeah, I would have done. Uh, Things don't go well. When the envoy arrived, he was not invited into the tent that Bryanios was staying in, but was forced to wait outside. Italiates tells us that the envoy was forced to stand in, I quote, a bed of thorns. Which, I don't know, maybe that's a translation of some figurative language there, because that seems weird that they literally got a bed of thorns (laughs) for the envoy to stand in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. who, Who knows? Anyway, discomfort. Probably is what it's talking about, unless a, a rosebush. Ooh, ooh, uh, yeah, holly bush. A holly bush, yeah. That was the waiting area that Bryanius had. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bryanius then uh, turns up on his horse um, and just looks down at this envoy and refused the terms outright and ordered the envoy to depart. At this point, the large imperial tent behind the general collapsed. Oh, that's embarrassing. Is as if invisible hands loosened the bonds of its roof on all sides. So just the whole thing falls down. Was Jeff doing repairs that day? Definitely, he was in charge of putting the tents up. Which uh, it's a miracle it was a tent, to be honest. <laughs> Apparently, Nikephros heard of this story of the tent collapsing, which obviously was taken as an omen because omen time. <laughs> Uh, Nikephros heard of this and laughed out loud. Realising that a war would have to be fought, he called upon his only general, essentially, but certainly his best general, Alexios Komnenos, to lead the troops. Remember him? Yes, now remember, this is the nephew of Isaac. Right. Yeah, so... Oh. So there's a reason why... um, Yeah, yeah. Nikephros would trust this as a a nephew of the man he revolted with a couple of decades ago. Friendly face. 
Yeah, exactly. Alexios had proved himself recently to be a, a pretty good general, the best the Empire had. So off you go, go and put this down. So Alexios sets off with a force including many Turkish mercenaries, who were probably all grinning and sniggering to themselves if they yeah. go, what, you, you're going to pay us to watch this mess, are you? Brilliant. <laughs> this is brilliant. What, what's that? No, I was just measuring up these uh, walls because I just like measuring things. Yeah. We're not, yeah. We're not planning on moving in or anything no no, no, no. and, and a, no. just a big stage whisper i want it in gold <laughs> <laughs> with the money the romans gave us yes <laughs> <laughs> well alexios sets off uh the two sides meet and the battle was hard fought uh, but alexios wins in the end short version of that nikephros <laughs> hears of this and much to his delight he hears that bryanios had been captured alive he sends out an order Blind him immediately. Don't bring him back to the capital. Just blind him and then send him to me. Why? He can't see you, sir. Well, Bryanios was on the way back to the capital. Uh, and we actually get quite a bit of detail about this because we're now into Anna Komnina's, uh account. This is the daughter of Alexios who wrote an entire book about Alexios. Uh, so we get lots of detail. The daughter wrote the detail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? We, yeah, yeah. We, That's we so get... surprising. Yeah, we get a Roman princess writing one of the most detailed primary source accounts of an emperor. In fact, I'd argue the wow. most detailed in wow. all of Roman history. Yeah, Th this is why we're having a gap before Alexios's episode, by the way, because I've got that whole book to get through. Usually I don't need to yeah. get through a book. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I sort of sense your... Uh tension when you sent the tweets yeah. out about how long do you want the episode to be <laughs> i must admit i'd never actually seen uh the book like in the flesh as it were i i obviously know of it and what's roughly inside it i assumed it was going to be a lot shorter than it was and then it came through the post it's like oh this is full-on <laughs> book sized yeah it's like we took, took three men took three hours and different men to put it into yeah. the house it's like she must have gone into some detail on some emperors before a uh, no 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 it's all about right okay wow <laughs> yeah uh anyway that's the next episode yeah. um book but we get a bit of detail here um alexios um was having a break and let Bryanios have a break as well. And apparently, Alexios was just calmly having a bit of a snooze by the tree, and Bryanios thought about killing Alexios because he wasn't being guarded. He was, like, under... Uh, he's an important man, so they weren't, like... Sh they hadn't shackled him. Yeah. But in the end, Bryanios thought, no, Alexios is too good a guy. I'm not going to do it. I'll accept my fate. So, there you go. Probably all made up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because then what happens is a messenger turns up and says, the Empress says blind him now, so he's held down and his eyes are poked out. Oh. Bryanios is blinded. Yeah. See, like, do you think someone's driven in? Because I'd be very pain. I mean, everything's painful, but mm. if I were Emperor and I wanted to remove somebody's eyes, I'd want them to, like, remove the eyeballs. Oh, yeah. Just, just snip the, the... You want to keep them. Yeah. Yeah, a little trophy. Fair enough. Like a serial uh, killer. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that it was done in a messy way. Oh. Because the next day, so... Bryanios appeared in front of Nikephoros, blood pouring from his eye sockets. Uh, oh. Nikephoros acted more disappointed than angry. <laughs> I'll quote, Oh, most unfortunate man, why did you do this? To which Bryanios probably replied, Ah, my eyes! <laughs> probably. 
Uh, Nikephros spent quite a while pointing out that it was clearly foretold by God that he was going to be the emperor, not Bryennios, so why did you even try to revolt, you mad fool? He even pointed to a recent prophecy that had announced that, that a man with a single N in his name would rule, not a double N. So, that was that. Bryennios is spout with two N's, and uh, Botaniates with one. So I really hope during this whole weird lecture <laughs> yeah with the guy screaming in agony i you know pouring with blood and he's yeah. literally pointing to charts trying to prove this yeah. point just pointing at the double n in Bryennios. Yeah. there's no way you could have been there look, look yeah. oh so sorry lots of pictures sorry. visual aids <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm so sorry so there you go coup down Bryennios is sorted coup number two. Oh, that's the coup pigeon However, Nikephros soon found himself in more danger. One day shortly after this, like we're only talking days apart here, the Varangian guard who were protecting him ah. during an inspection suddenly charged at him. What? Yeah. Now, setting the scene here, Nikephros is on a raised, uh, not not platform, but a walkway that's raised. That You need to climb some stairs to get to him. And he's oh, looking yeah, yeah. down on the Varangian guard, and suddenly a bunch of them charge at him trying to kill him. What? Yeah. But they made uh, an oath. They, they, they oh, followed yeah, the... yeah, well, not these ones. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, some of the guards drew out bows and started shooting at where Nikephoros was. No, was... no. Look, those guards never play Skyrim. Right, okay. Why? A bow what is a long-distance weapon. If you're up yeah. close, you need swords and spiky things. Well, it's fine. They've thought about this. Some were going to stay on the lower part of the room and fire whilst others okay. were going to charge the stairs with swords, get up and hack Fair into enough. pieces. Fair That's enough. the plan. All right. Yeah. And it starts off well enough for the Kuas. Uh, one of the secretaries next to the Emperor was hit in the throat with an arrow and fell down, gurgling. Who was hit in the throat? One of uh, the Emperor's secretaries. Italiasis tells us that because Nikephros was a lifelong general, he didn't panic... He didn't run away. He organised the loyal guards that were around him and told them to push back this revolt. A small but very fierce battle takes place in the palace. It soon became obvious that a lot of the revolting guards were extremely drunk. So although they had the element of surprise, they were also extremely drunk. <laughs> there is an easy way to solve this. Yeah. Who wants a kebab? Exactly. That's all they needed to do. Yeah. Uh, eventually, uh, maybe someone through threw a kebab through the window of the <laughs> barracks, uh, and <laughs> all the revolting guards just stormed back into the barracks because the revolting guards were, were hemmed in in the barracks. Yeah. They realised they couldn't go anywhere. There was no way they could win, so they surrendered. Nice. Italiates tells us that Nikephros was merciful. But of course he'd say that. He loves Night Carefrost. Who knows yeah. what happened? Probably some quite stabby-stabby. Yeah. yeah. Nosey-nosey, uh, eyesy-eyesy. Shortly after this coup was put down, yeah. one of the secretaries in the palace, this is a man named Michael, commits suicide. Oh. It is implied that he was the man behind the plot. Apparently, the secretary who took the arrow to the neck was a friend of this Michael, and he killed himself due to guilt. Oh. So the, the, yeah, the coup went really south. And uh, yeah, Ooh. Michael just kills himself. Now, interestingly, some people have suggested that perhaps this Michael is none other than Michael Sellus. 
Oh. And this is how Celis dies. However, should point out, there is literally no evidence that this is that Michael at all. Right. It just happens to be a man named Michael. Everyone was called Nykephros or Michael back then. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so there's no yeah. reason to believe it was. And to be honest, uh, Celis was kind of pushed out at this time. So would he really have had that much power? Um, Pro- possibly not. Probably not, though. Yeah, uh, but I'd like to say because we don't know how Salus Salus dies, I'm just going to say this is it. He kills himself because he attempted to coup against Nikephros. Unlikely, but it happened. So there you go. Nikephros survives the second coup, the coup of the Varangian Guard. That, c- considering you had like literally a whole legion of Vikings running towards you with swords and spears, that's impressive. He survived that. Well, I, I get the feeling there was a whole uh, unit of Vikings on parade and a few drunk ones decided to try it. That sounds well, less impressive. <laughs> it does sound less impressive. <laughs> it was just two drunk men, one with a bow and one with a sword. <laughs> yeah! And they were just quickly put down. Who knows? Let's say it was 50 Vikings yeah. and it was Nykephros yeah. and Jeff on their own. I, oh, back. gosh. Well, that's the handicap yeah. in itself. Yeah, exactly. Very impressive. Okay, so that's uh, Kutu survived. What comes after coup two? Coup Bloody pigeons. Some time passed, and then Nykephros received word. Bryennios was no longer a threat because he was busy screaming in pain somewhere in the dungeons. <laughs> but Bryennios had a supporter, and this was a man, obviously named... Well, it's either Michael or Nykephros. Have a guess. Nykephoros? Of course it's Nykephoros. Oh, son of a yes. mother. Another revolting Nykephoros. Oh. Uh, we shall call him Basilakis, because that's what everyone calls him, because there were too many Nykephorosses. Uh, Basilakis was the Duke of Duraicum, uh, modern-day Albania, so we're talking on the, the coast opposite the right side of the Italian leg, I'm sort of you. near Croatia. We're, we're talking yeah. that region. Yeah. Up the north, or sort of more like Bosnia? Sort of the, in the middle, and... in, the, in, in the middle bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bosnia, cool. Yeah. Uh, we're not far off where uh, Diocletian grew his cabbages. Mm. We're, we're, we're close to there. I hope they're still there. They probably are. Now, Basilakis was, in fact, heading towards the capital uh, at this point. He, he'd left Ariacum, uh and he was heading to the capital with a substantial force that he was going to use to back up Bryanios's revolt. Ooh, he was part of the Bryanios revolt. He was the, the reserves. That's positive. Yeah, um, it was on his way to the capital when he heard that Bryanios had been defeated, captured and blinded. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shocked yeah. by this news, he thought through his options. Uh, he sent a letter to Nykephros stating, I'm not rebelling. <laughs> uh, what, these, these troops? Oh. No, a picnic. We're having a picnic. Yeah. That's why we've all got a scotch egg. In our full um, armour. Yeah, definitely. Look, um, there's Jeff with a, with, a, with a pork pie in his spike. Yeah. He's getting around a lot, it's Jeff, today. Uh, yeah. Must be brothers. Um, <laughs> anyway, it, it's fine. I'm not revolting. Uh, I'd started moving troops against Michael in support of Bryanios. Yes, we were revolting against Michael, not you. You're obviously in charge now. Of I'll course. stand down. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Nykephros did not believe a word of this. Nope. So he sent his best general, Alexios, once more to deal with the threat. Good old Alexios. Meanwhile, Basilakis, who had been busy building up his troops because uh, it was a good job Nykephros didn't trust him, uh, because Basilakis was still revolting, uh, he built up his troops, he organised himself, he knew the terrain in the area, and he set up a perfect ambush for the young general who had been sent to fight him. 
Was it another like wedding arch? And oh no, no, this one was actually quite good. Oh, yeah, it yeah. was a uh, a tree. Yeah, it was a, it was a tree. Or here behind a tree in a straight line. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, nice. Basilakis watched Alexios's forces fall right into the trap. They set up their camp just in a place where they could be ambushed easily. <gasps> so Basilakis will be able to get his forces close to the camp and just attack without being noticed. Yeah. So he waits until it's dark, he sets up his forces, he makes the signal. Basilaki's forces lunge down towards the camp, where all the campfires are going. They li- yeah. meet little resistance and they storm into the camp. Before he knew it, Basilaki's was at Alexios's tent itself. He rushed inside, and what did he find? A note. No, I will literally give you everything I own if you guess this correct. Oh, how many guesses have I got? Two, because you've already guessed one. Ah. <laughs> um, a feather. No. A piece of string. <laughs> no. Rope is counted in string. It's a piece of rope. Rope, rope is counted, and no, right. no, it's not. It Damn. was a monk called Little John. Oh. <laughs> it, it's it's not. Oh, it's not. It's not the Little John, is it? What from Robin Hood? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's no way it can be anyone but Little John from Robin Hood. Oh, so that's definitely who it is. Is apparently... he ironically six foot eight? Well, no, apparently he was called Little John because he was quite little. Which, I mean, they're just unimaginative back then, clearly. <laughs> Not ironic. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Basilakis storms into the tent, sees Little John and shouts, Where in the world is the Stammerer? Uh, the Stammerer was a insult used against Alexios, uh, apparently because... He possibly stammered, although uh, his daughter Anna said that he didn't stammer, he just said his R's slightly weakly, but people use that as an excuse to call him the stamina. It's in the same way that um, some Americans and people uh, knock Joe Biden because he takes a while to answer a question, because he's yeah, trying to control yeah. his stammer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that, that's why he was being called the stammerer. Yeah. But Basilakis is angry. He's, Alexios isn't there. Uh, little John simply announced that Alexios uh, had left some time ago. Um, he'd probably be back soon. <laughs> <laughs> and it was around that time that Basilakis hears the sound of fighting. Oh, Alexios dear. had returned and was now ambushing the ambushers. <laughs> Turns out that Alexios fully knew that he was going to be ambushed and had actually set all this in motion. Oh, can you imagine a conversation before this? Right, I need... Uh, some prey. Prey, not prey, sorry. No. But volunteers. volunteer. That's what we need. A monk volunteer. A monk volunteer <laughs> called Little, 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 Little John. Put your hand in the air. Put your hand in the air. Your job is to stand in the middle of the abandoned tent and face the full wrath of the enemy. <laughs> Until we can come in. We're swooping and save you, John. Look surprised. Look surprised. And these are your words to say. This is your script. <laughs> he you got shall that, little John. be here soon. Poor little John. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Anyway, fighting breaks out. Fierce fighting. Basilakis actually manages to escape, uh, much to uh, Alexios's annoyance. Uh, he, yeah, he escapes to Thessalonica, that's nearby. Alexios obviously follows. Once outside the city, Alexios then sent one man to go and assure Basiliskis that if he gave up, nothing bad would happen. Obviously, it's little Johnny sent. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Off you go, little John. In in you go. (laughs) 
So it's fine. Just just give up. We won't do anything bad. Maybe we'll we'll just make fun of you a bit. So they're sending their own person back to them. No, no. This is Alexios sends little John into Thessalonica to talk oh, to the hiding Basilakis. Give yeah. up. All will be forgiven. Honest. It's fine. Make sure you put your cross fingers behind your back. <laughs> well, Basilakis was not convinced. He he had a horrible feeling that he would be hideously mutilated. Yeah. Um, who knows why? Uh, but that's, <laughs> that's what he thought. Uh, so he wasn't convinced, but nor were the citizens of Thessalonica, who did not fancy being sacked for the sake of holding on to this traitor. So someone in the city just opened the gates. Someone else in the city just grabbed Basilakis and then handed him over to Alexios. That was easy. Nikephros, back in the capital, receives the word, we have won. You can imagine that, though, with like a city of being... You're about to be like, we're, this is going to be awful for us. Let's just give, yeah, the, it's like, give, no, give, so them, give them what they want. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Screw you. Well, um, Nikephros sends word to Alexios as Alexios is coming back to the capital... Guess what it says? Hi. Blind him as soon oh, as possible. Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah. Alexios receives the order to remove his captive's eyes. And they are indeed removed. Yeah. So coup number three is over. And it's finally time to start dealing with the Turks. Remember, that's what Nikephros wants to do. Deal with the Turks. That's insane that he's had all that man trouble. Like, inst- yeah. like instantly. It's like, instantly, yeah. yeah. This is like one, yeah. two, three. Three, three coup attempts. Yeah. So he starts to ferry troops over the Bosphorus to try and uh, raise the forces so they can deal with all the raids in the east. Uh, oh, but sorry, what's that? Is that the faint sound of pigeon I hear? Now, Michael Seven may have been monked, but Michael Seven had a brother who we've not come across before. I didn't bother mentioning him uh, because he's not in it much. His name is Constantius right. Ducas. Okay. That's a name we've not heard in a while. Constantius, no. I mean, his name was just Constantine, but it's just been... We call him Constantius, just to differentiate, I think. Anyway, Constantius is what we're going to call him. And Constantius was angered that the Ducas family was no longer in charge, and he decided he would be a far better emperor than this old man. He would avenge his brother Michael and become emperor himself. So as the troops were being ferried over the water, Constantius crossed over himself and he started talking to the assembling troops. They should follow him, he started saying. Follow me. In fact, I'll quote Taliates, he tried to instigate the army to acclaim him emperor. So that's fairly clear, isn't it? That's what he was doing. Much to his disappointment, however, not many liked this idea. Who? I'm sorry, you're who? Michael's brother. We're we're all right, thanks. Yeah, we're doing quite good. Yeah, no, that's all right. We're happy with Nikephoros. I mean, it's not great, but I mean, you could do worse. It could be you. (laughs) Um, Some, however... How good thing would that be? (laughs) (laughs) Well, some, however, were actually slightly more positive. Some were willing to go along with it, Uh, but it certainly wasn't the majority. No, Jeff, Roger and Tony. But it was enough that fighting broke out in the camp that lasted half a day. Yeah. So the troops that should have been arranging themselves to fight the Turks suddenly start attacking each other. Uh, by the time Nikephros heard about the problem, it was actually already over. It, it, the, uh, <laughs> the, the troops supporting Nikephros just put this one down almost instantly. Constantius's coup just was pathetic. It just didn't work. Perhaps because the coup was so bad, Nikephros did not order the blinding 
of his wife's ex-brother-in-law, remember? There is that connection. So, yeah, maybe that was one reason. Uh, Constantius instead was simply monked. I'm surprised you just get that saying, ha, 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 ha. Well, also, don't forget, this is also widening the rift with the Ducas family. I mean, the Ducas family are not happy anyway, because Mm. they were deposed. Uh, But Nikephros has married into the Ducas family, sort of, by marrying Michael's wife. That's a weak marrying into a family. Um, But he, (laughs) he certainly doesn't want any more trouble than's needed. But unfortunately, uh, the Ducas family now despise him even more than ever. Now, as Nikephros had married Maria, this meant that her little son, who she'd had with Michael... You still with me here? Yeah. Yeah. This is a little boy called Constantine Ducas. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, this Constantine Ducas is now Nikephros's stepson because he married Maria. So actually... The closest thing to a son that Nikephros ha- has is actually a small Ducas boy. I may have misheard. Is is that the one that got monked? No, no, that's Constantius. That is okay. the brother-in-law yeah. to Maria. This is Maria and Michael Seven's son. Small boy, Constantine Ducas. Does he have numbers after his name? No. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. But... Nikephros was thinking about making this little Constantine his heir, and here's his adopted son, and it would mm. really cheer up the Ducas family. Maybe they'll stop revolting if yeah. they think maybe the next emperor will be a Ducas. However, after the revolt of Constantius Ducas fell apart so much, Nikephros was less keen on having a Ducas as the heir, and he starts to think about another relative. And it's around this time that Nikephros hears some more news. You'll be shocked to learn that Nikephoros was revolting. OMG, did not expect that. <laughs> this Nikephoros <laughs> was a general named Nikephoros Melesinos. So we'll just call him Melesinos. Yeah. Uh, Melesinos was loyal to Michael Seven. He had been loyal to the Ducas family and he had been exiled by Nikephoros III upon his ascension to the throne. Right. So this is a Ducas loyal general. Um, Melesinos had then spent his time raising forces and hiring mercenaries. He wants to dethrone Nikephoros. Mm. In 1080, he declares himself emperor. Now, Nikephoros did what he usually did when a coup's <laughs> going on. He calls for his best general. It's Alexios. Alexios, can you go and sort this coup out, please? However, this time there was a problem. Melesinos happens to be Alexios's brother-in-law. I imagine the thought that's going through his head is, oh dear God, the best general in the world is now, well, could potentially go against me. Yeah, it's not great. It's not good. Uh, It was even worse when Alexios just refused to fight. I'm not fighting my own brother-in-law. Could you imagine Christmas? (laughs) So... Nikephoros was angered, but there's very little he can do. Um, I mean, not only was Alexios by far his most powerful general, but he was also popular. And on top of this, his wife Maria, as in Nikephoros' wife Maria, had just adopted Alexios. Now, they're roughly the same age as each other. I think there's only about four years apart from each other. But Maria adopts Alexios in an obvious kind of you're now the heir apparent kind of move. Yeah. Yeah. Now, historians have speculated why this is 
happened is Nikephros now so weak that people are just doing things around him and they don't care what he says? Or was Nikephros actually in on this and he actually supported the idea? After all, Alexios was his trusted general. Um, but what it means is that when Alexios refused to fight this uh, revolt, Nikephros doesn't have the political power to punish Alexios. Yeah. He's too closely knit in now. And also, there were other things distracting Nikephros, because word had come from a Norman mercenary. Another one. Hello! <laughs> this is Robert Gussand. I'm Robert! No, I'm Robert! <laughs> well... Gus, Gus, uh, Gussand. Well, uh, Robert was getting ready to invade the Empire. Full on invade the Roman Empire. I will invade you all. Because, and I'm not going to get into details in here, there's not enough time to get into details, but just know, you remember little Constantine Ducas, who is no longer going to be the heir? Yeah. Well, he was betrothed at one point to Robert's daughter. Oh. And Robert's going, hang on, I could have had a family member on the uh, throne of the Roman Empire. I'm not happy about this. I'm going to go and invade. See, never trust somebody called Robert. Well, that's, that's true. That's what I'm going to say. Also, less historically interesting, but far more interesting for us in this podcast, we yeah. have already come across Robert's family. Oh. Because Robert is actually the far more famous and popular and successful brother to Roger, who is taking over Sicily at the moment. <gasps> Same family. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're talking about that family there. They're, they're going places. They're doing things. They're, ro they're just Rogering through Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Normal history podcasts would have focused on Robert Gussand way, way before. Roger yeah. would have been a footnote, uh, but Roger stood out to me, so we've yeah. been talking about Roger and not Robert. Anyway, um, all you need to know is that there is a big force of Normans on the way to invade. That's fun, isn't it? Oh, and also, uh, the Turks have just taken the town of Sicissus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, or Cicissus, maybe, if they're Hartzis. Uh, uh, this is a town disturbingly close to Constantinople. We're no longer talking on the far east side of Anatolia. We're no longer talking the middle of Anatolia. We are talking, like, a, a couple of days away. Right. We're talking, could probably see it, the fires on a clear day kind of way. Oh, dear. Right. Yeah, the the Turks have just taken it. Ah. This is this is seriously bad. Um, yeah. Oh, and then there's more reports. Uh, Melissinos uh, has also taken Nicaea. That's even closer to the capital. Uh, the walls are closing in, just in time for coup number six. Coup <laughs> Alexios was asked to raise the troops to put down, uh, well, everything, really. Take your pick. <laughs> There's a lot happening right now. Can you please stop some we of this from happening? We have multiple options uh, for your regeneration of the empire. Yeah. Uh, but good news is, Alexios realised the importance and he set off to do just that. He left the capital and he started raising troops quite enthusiastically. Good. <laughs> Uh, the next thing Nikephros knew is that there is indeed an army surrounding the city. Who's got to him first? See, I, I get a feeling Alexios is the next episode. However, I reckon yeah. he's not the one there first. Well, remember, you've got the Normans coming, you've got the Turks coming, and you've got Melesinos coming. Melesinos, he's first. No, you were right the first time. It's Alexios. Oh. All right. 
Yeah, Alexios <laughs> left the city, raised the troops, and then turned round and went, right, <laughs> time I'm in charge. It's obviously more detail than that, which we will get into in his episode. But um, yes, Alexios is the coup for coup number six. He was at the head of the forces. Did I mention, by the way, probably slipped my mind, uh, he was married to a woman called Irene Dukas. Oh, weird that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have Uncle, not left, have they? Uncle John Dukas had been in touch with Alexios. I know the Dukas and the Komnenos family have had their spats in the past, but how about, since, since you've married into the Dukas family and all that, how about we kick this old man off the throne? And Alexios had agreed. Nikephros desperately thought through his options. What on earth is he going to do here? Yeah. I mean, he's got no troops, because Alexios has them all. And he's surrounded by enemies. So what does he do? I'd I'd give up. He sent word to the Turks. Oh, your enemies. Any chance you want to help? We've been paying you a lot of money recently, mercenary fees. I'll pay you some more. Hello? <laughs> Turks? Anyone there? Banging the letter. <laughs> Anyone there? No. no one's there. Okay, that didn't work. Who next? Franks. Uh, no, no, but you're on the right lines. Melesinos <laughs> this time. Any chance you want to turn on your brother-in-law? <laughs> I know this is a long shot, <laughs> but tell you what, to sweeten this deal... You can be emperor. Seriously, I will abdicate. Walk into the city. I wow. just Yeah, I just don't want Alexios to take it. You can have it. If I'm going down, I'm making sure he doesn't take it. I guess that's an honourable defeat rather than a... Yeah, exactly. That's insane. So, yeah. Um, no answer. Because they know. Well, Nikephros never found out, presumably, but uh, we know... Uh, that Alexios had actually managed to intercept this this letter, possibly the one to the Turks as well. So, uh, yeah, it's there's no help coming. So practically no one to defend the walls whatsoever because Alexios was in charge of the defence of the city and he'd taken everyone. Uh, it did not take long for Alexios to break through the gates and uh, his forces start sacking the city. Wow. Nikephoros wrote to Alexios... I am already an old man, and a lonely one, and I possess neither son nor brother t- nor any blood relations. And if you are willing, do you become my adopted son? Ooh. I will not prevent you giving whatever you have already promised to your fellow soldiers, nor will I even share your royal power in any way. I merely ask to retain the name of Emperor, and further the permission to live quietly in the palace. The administration of the affairs of the Empire shall be handed entirely over to you. Yeah, it's like, please, look, I'm an old man, just let me retire, I give up. Yeah. This letter gets to Alexios, who is uh, presumably in his tent or in a building somewhere, uh, but he's with John Dukas, who I is like, still not going anywhere. Sorry, I, I, I like the idea that he's just in the next room next to the Emperor. He's, he's <laughs> really close. I'm just really getting door. close, yeah. <laughs> You you were right to keep your eye on John Dukas, by the way, because right. he, he oh. is not going anywhere, is he? he he's been monked, but he's, he's still coming back. Oh. Uh, John Dukas read this and replied, Get away and tell the Emperor that those offers would have been more useful before the city was captured. Tell oh. him, too, as you are already an old man, 
get off the throne and take thought for your own safety. Oh. Yeah. So, Nykephros flees to the Hajj of Sophia. The Patriarch said to him, and I quote, Do not begin a civil war, nor resist God's decree. Do not allow the city to be defiled with the blood of Christians, but yield to the will of God and depart from our midst. So, no. (laughs) We're not protecting you. Give up. Which he does. Nykephros abdicates. Oh, wow. He was dead within a year. No idea how. Presumably consumed by sorrow. Yes, and metal. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes. (laughs) So there you go. That's that's Nykephros, who on paper looked like he was going to be a short filling in emperor, but actually was really quite interesting. But you Uh, you were quite clever with your... um... Your, your stuff, you sort of put a lot into this episode from, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Alexios. Alexios to come next, so you don't have to come next week. So. I have barely scratched the surface, I can imagine. believe me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no, it's like I've got to get some of these Alexios stories in now, otherwise we just won't be able to do it, do any of them. Uh, but yeah, anyway, before we get to Alexios, let's uh, let's rate tonight Kefros 3. Okay, I mean, there's actually some good stuff here uh, from mm. his youth. We've got, remember, um, way way back at the start of the episode, his story of the flight from the Bechenics. Remember when he survived and the, uh, yeah. he was harried for 11 days and he, he survived. Yeah, I think even though his retreats, I think you can... He made the best of a bad for... situation. The the general had been killed, yeah. everyone was scattering, yeah. and he kept his forces in, in yeah. position. Yeah, and he, and he maimed a horse. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, he fought a famous Norman mercenary one-on-one in the middle of a battlefield. That's cinematic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, definitely. That's pretty good. I mean, they he... didn't fight to the death, but there would have yeah. been a scene where people were grabbing hold of both of them, shouting, it's not worth it, it's not yeah. worth it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let also, it go, man. Let it go. Also cinematic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would like that scene with those words being <laughs> played out in full on. Not worth it, epic, not worth it. Epic camera shots. Uh, he is described as leading forces for quite some time. Well, we don't have details, but he was obviously a military leader for a while. He kept the Danube uh, area relatively safe. If you remember, he did something involving the military that saved the life of the future Emperor Romanus IV. He missed Manzikert, so there's nothing there to, to pin on him, because he wasn't part of that. Yeah. Uh, he loses against Rousseau, Rousseau uh, but remember that was more John Ducas losing. Yeah. Because he advised not to fight. Uh, you could critique him, I suppose, for sitting back and doing nothing during that battle, though. He could have tried to help John Ducas out, but instead he just left. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, then we have the fact that he uh, usurped and took the throne. Oh, sorry, I've missed one. He usurped with uh, Isaac. He was one of the generals in that yeah. usurpation as well. Uh, but then he usurped for himself, and he actually took the throne. With very little fighting, to be fair, but he won a couple of skirmishes, and surely you get points for winning a usurpation. And an emperor. Um, yeah. Uh, as emperor, he was, he's too old to fight. He's approaching 80 at this point. Um, but under his name, he did put down five coups, which is impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and one of those, if we can believe Italiates, he personally was actually leading the forces in that palace battle that took place against the Vikings. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. Single handle that crucifix. Oh yeah, hand, definitely. Just knocking them away. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's impressive. Uh, for bad, all I've got is that he was captured by the Uzio. Remember, um, we didn't get any details, but he was captured. But daring escape in a sheep. So, in a sheep. So I mean, you could spin yeah. that to a positive, really. Um, <laughs> I, uh, 
I, I'm, I'm fairly impressed. I, I, it's certainly not top tier because nothing major happens, but... No, it was like a big, massive battle. And a lot of this is source bias. A lot of emperors we've covered probably did things like this, but we didn't get the details. But we happened to get the details with Nike Frost. But, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. I'm Um, going to give it a a reasonable six. I'm going to go up to seven. Uh, One-on-one duel in a battlefield, uh, being surrounded uh, and fighting his way out. I mean, these are good stories. Two usurpations, putting down five coups, seven, definitely seven. Okay, I'll give him six. That's a total of 13 for fighting. Okay, really not much here. I, he, he did the couple of blindings, uh, but, I mean, who wasn't blinding people back then? Uh, but <laughs> maybe do, we shouldn't... We're doing it now. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't become numb to it. The blindings were horrific. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there is the one obvious standout story. He chopped the feet off a horse to prove he was not going to run away. And that's not on. No. Um, in like, it's disturbing to me how yeah. that affects me more than people being blinded does. Oh yeah, yeah. We have become used to the idea of blinding your political yeah. enemies. We have not come across the idea of chopping the horse off a of, horse off a foot, other way around. But yeah. you get what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, uh, the, it was the same thing, to be honest. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It's disturbing that like, like, yeah. Like, people getting blinded, I'm used to that now. Yeah. That's what they did, but a horse, no! Not an unconscious animal. I don't think I can even go halfway, because there's only these two small things. But that horse story, I'm going to give a point per hoof. (laughs) You're in four. You're in four. I'm going to go two. I'm way less impressed. Fair enough. That probably is fair. I just wanted to make a point per hoof (laughs) joke, so that balances it out. (laughs) (laughs) Six for people and crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think in real world we probably get three each, so that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, next. Success ultimate. Uh, unfortunately for him, he he, he struggles here. Um, yeah. However, due to all the source information, we've actually got more than you may think. So, um, start with some bad ones for a change. Uh, what did he actually achieve? Let's think about this. Stabilization of the empire. That's what he wanted to achieve. Uh, so they could focus on the influx of the Turks in the East. Did he succeed? No. No, no he did not. Nothing That's is any fair. more stable. Uh, all that happened is the Empire ripped itself apart. Coup after coup after coup. Yeah. They all mounted up until eventually one of them succeeded. Uh, in order to shore up his support, he also drained the treasury even more in an attempt to persuade people to get behind him. That's not good. Yeah, uh, the people didn't like Michael, but Nikephoros III did little to inspire them. Uh, He had very little time to do much apart from fight against those coups. Uh, Considering how long this episode is, you will probably be surprised at how long he was uh, emperor for. So, yeah, he just didn't really have time to do anything. Um, The Empire is no better after his rule. He has not improved the Empire. It just it's just no better. No. However, good couple of things here. He cancelled all the debts. Uh, I mean, this was a blatant attempt to curry favour with the people. Of course, it is. Um, but also uh, politically, it was also to weaken the Ducas family, because the Ducas family was so powerful at this point that a lot of the debts were actually owed to them. So cancelled all the debts. You're actually weakening Ooh. the Ducas family. Yeah, clever move. But he married a Ducas. Uh, no, Alexius married the Ducas. Remember? Sorry. Although actually, no, Nikephros married. 
uh, Michael's wife. So she wasn't a Dukas, but she'd married into the Dukas family. Yeah, it's, it's all a bit... That's, um, that wasn't my point, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got it wrong. Uh, anyway, uh, what else did he do? He changed a law so that if someone was sentenced to a harsh punishment, I don't know, let's say a blinding... Uh, the act would be carried out only after 30 days had passed, just in case the Emperor changed his mind. That's actually quite... I don't want to say benevolent, but it's... Yeah, <laughs> it's I, I'm like, sure... You've got, you've got, a, you've got a barrier. I'm sure Basilakis and uh, Bryennios were pleased as punch when they heard that this law had been introduced. Oh, thank you. Whilst they were weeping blood. Italiati is... um, <laughs> yeah. says that the reason why this happened is they were looking into precedent. They looked way back to Theodosius I's reign. If you wow. remember way back in his episode, he ordered a massacre in anger, uh, and the, the people were massacred in the stadium. It was like 60,000 people. So yeah, it's, it's, I can't remember, but it was something ridiculous. Yeah. And then he really regretted it. He sent, he cancelled the order, but it was too late. And then he went off to uh, Ambrose. Remember Ambrose of Milan? And he, yeah. he said, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, According to Taliates, it was wise thinking back to those days, and we should do more of that now. Uh, but I think this is more uh, evidence that Nikephros regretted blinding the people he blinded and yeah. started thinking, you know what, I did that in anger. In retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have blinded them. This is why, when you're angry, count down from ten. Exactly. So there you go, a couple of laws, and it's not very often uh, we get actual laws emperors yeah. pass because uh, we get a few details on a lot of them. So we got a couple of laws there. Um, but ultimately, though, uh, I, those couple of laws don't really add up to much. I, no. I think it's pretty much a failure. I'm willing to give one point just for uh, his uh, political trying to weaken the Dukas family whilst also cheering everyone else up by cancelling the debts. I think that's quite a good move but not worth any more than one point in a brain that was essentially a failure. Yeah, one. You doing one as well? Two yeah. then. Image of Okay, here we go. Ooh. We have something interesting. Yeah. Because this is a part of a manuscript, uh, an illustration, but it is contemporary, Jamie. This wasn't done way, way after this. Uh, apparently this was done, if not when he was alive, then within the year after he died. But probably when he was alive, it would make most, no sense that it was afterwards. Oh, wow. He's there in the middle, and he is flanked by, on his left or right, can't remember which one, Truth and Justice. The personifications oh. of Truth and Justice sitting on his shoulders there. Yeah. Well, sort of over the top of his throne. Coming out of like weird pineapple things. It's colourful and it's detailed. Yeah. You can see his little face. Yeah. He looks. He doesn't look eighty. He looks younger than that. Um, he's got his little pearly pigtails coming out of his crown, which is nice. He's got a nice blue robe on. It's, it's good. See, I. It's got so his, I, his red emperor boots. Look. Oh yeah, like almost like the papal boots. Yeah, shoes. exactly. I mean, this goes way back to Caesar. Remember, he got in trouble yeah. with his boots. Um, I do you know what I, I I don't think the pigtails come out. I I think there's like it's just like a hair bob. In fact, it's eerily similar. If I had to judge this, if I had to compare this to someone I knew, it would be you. He looks like you. He does look a bit like me, doesn't he? He does. Got the uh, beard, the hairstyle's different, but there's similar sort of beard. I mean, and, your uh, crown could be the headphones. Crown could be the headphones. Yeah, not too far off. Yeah. Um, 
I really like it because there's lots of detail. Oh, cool. Um, well, you would. This is, if you want to look at it, uh, go to the Wikipedia page. It's not the one at the top. You need to scroll down uh, to find this one that I decided to use. Uh, but yeah, it's just on the Wikipedia page. Have a look for it. Um, I, I'm going nine. I'm going big. I like this. I like the colour. I like the detail. I like the fact that it was essentially contemporary. So that is pretty much what it looked like. And it's like a gilded painting, which is yeah, quite cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I'd have to agree with you. I'm, I'm going to go nine as well. I mean, I, I feel like that's an assessment on your your appearance as well. But <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Great. That's 4.5. Okay, next one. So how long do you think he lasted? Well, you saw Gary not long, so I'm thinking years, uh, like a small amount of years, like three, four years, five years, something like that. From January 78 to April 81. Let's call that three years. Nice. So, not very long, considering how much we packed into that episode. Yeah. Most of it, Alexios, but well, yeah, that's most... the next episode, right? But to be fair, he had a fair amount uh, of his early life. About yeah, half true. of the episode of his early life. It's just that's when he true. became emperor, he was too old. So it was mostly send Alexios to go and yeah. deal with things until Alexios dealt with things. Yeah. So... Yeah, so anyway, that is three years, so that gives him a score of 0 0.38, and a total score, which 15, may or may not be correct. 21, 25.5, 25.88, I think. Should we calculator it? Yeah, I think we need to now. Add 0 0.38. <laughs> what did you say? 25.88? 25.88? Yes! Yes! Oh! We did not make a mistake this week. Boom! <laughs> Unless we both have this time. <laughs> and the calculator. On, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, with both of us and the calculator, surely we've got this one right. Um, <laughs> so that is a score of 25.88, which is not bad for a, no. a three-year emperor. Mm. It's not awful. Uh, is it enough to get him Gene César, though? Do they have a certain Gene César? No. No. I mean, it's obviously no. But I think if... <laughs> uh, but it, it's a surprisingly good score for a short-lived emperor. Yeah, but... yeah. I mean, that That's not a no, oh, good God, that was awful. No. He was a very interesting emperor. Yeah. I enjoyed his story. Mm. I, I mean, joined this period of Roman history, but he's clearly not. But do you know who might be? Who? The man who's just opposed him. Because Jeff? Uh, no. We will find out next time. Ah, oh, um, damn it. Yes, who it is. Well, we know who it is. Alexios obviously is next. Yeah. Um, now, time of recording, I put a poll up. I've already hinted about this uh, earlier on in the episode, but I put a poll up on Twitter and Facebook uh, because I, I realised um, this is the most research I will have to do for an emperor ever in the series. Wow. Arguably, I could have done maybe as much around Augustus just because he's so popular, but we were brand new then, and I just didn't do as much research back then. So, I've quickly realised I'm not going to be able to do it in time, and I sent out the option saying, well, I can either skim around the research and just give a kind of summary, and I will uh, release the episode in two weeks' time. Or... We will take a break, give me a bit more time to do the research, and uh, I will provide you with more details. Uh, and overwhelmingly, the response was, take the week <laughs> off and uh, do the more research. So, 
going to be a, a slightly longer than normal episode when it does turn up. Uh, but it will be only one episode. I am determined not to break that with the Romans. I don't see why Alexios should get two episodes when the likes of Augustus only get one. Yes, true, uh, Alexios. Yeah, so he will only get one. Um, but I, I just need some time to read his daughter's book, essentially. Whilst at the same time reading everything about FDR. I'm so glad those two came up at the same time. <laughs> That's worked well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. It's all good. Um, so it's going to be a gap if you're keeping up to date. Of course, if you're listening to the future, binging away at us, then uh, you won't notice a difference. Because mm. we'll, we'll be playing quite soon, in fact. Playing yeah. on uh, iTunes, Podbean, etc. Yeah, so please... Please download, uh, leave reviews if you can. They're always very good to read. Um, and until next time, all that needs to be said, quite emphatically, My nay. Horse. <laughs> nay. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Jove, we've done it. We've trained a pigeon to say the word coo. Coo.